0: Prayer its the most ancient tenet of our faith and the most common way to commune with God. Yet, we often find ourselves returning to the same questions about prayer. How do we pray? Why do we pray? And does it really change things? So maybe it's time to refresh our understanding and revitalize our practice of this holy occupation. It's time to talk about prayer. Once again, Elements, Um, if I haven't met you, I'm Pastor Benjamin, and um, anytime I get to speak with you, it's a joy. So this morning, uh, we're continuing, like the bumper says, in our prayer series, and last week we talked about prayer as vision up, and we talk about this v3 i just i just made that up v3 that's pretty good uh this v3 framework that we have um that we lay over a lot of what we do at elements um vision up look to god vision in look like god vision out look with god look to god in adoration look like god through transformation look with god and mature Love. So last week we talked about vision up prayer. This week it's time to talk about vision in prayer. Prayer that is sort of for us and God, between us and God, about uh, looking in to ourselves so that we can look like Him. So there are three parts we're talking about today with vision in prayer, so what we're calling it. There's surrender, nurture, and transformation. Surrender, nurture, and transformation. And prayer can facilitate all three of those things as we vision in to look like him. Surrender, nurture, and transformation. All right, so surrender. Let's talk about that. When we're talking about surrender with prayer and vision in prayer, surrender prayer is when we take time to tell God that we are yielding to his plans and purposes. Do you see the intentionality behind that? The choice to sit in prayer and do that? We take time to tell God that we are yielding to his plans and his purposes. That we're making his... Plans and purposes, the priority over hours. So yield, that's an interesting word. Think about the concept of yielding in traffic. This actually, I get a little annoyed about this one um, in traffic. Sometimes I'm coming up to a yield sign, right? And there's a car in front of me, but nobody's coming down the street, but they stop at the yield sign. Now, the problem with that is that's not what yielding means, right? Because you can't yield to something that's not there. You can only yield when something's there. So if a car is coming, you yield. That's great. Yield away. But if no car is coming, you get to go because there's nothing to yield to. You see how that works? Now, you know when people are speaking they say, if you take one thing away today, well, that's the one thing. All the rest you can throw out. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, but when we begin to understand that yielding posture to God in prayer, when we've already looked to Him in prayer, we, when we orient ourselves to Him as the reality, now we have something to yield to, you see? Last week we talked about that we look to Him with sight, Right? And then we confess what's true about him, and what that means is true about us. And then we respond in adoration. When we've done that, and put him at the center of us, of our reality, and recognize that he is the center of all reality, now we have something to yield to. Right? The definition, or oh, some of the, There's a lot of definitions for the word yield, but um, two of them that stood out to me: to give up. And cease resistance or to give place or precedence to acknowledge the superiority of someone else that is how prayer can facilitate that surrender now there is a beautiful prayer of surrender in the Gospel of Matthew and I think it's my favorite prayer in all of Scripture because it's a prayer of surrender that was prayed by Jesus himself. So, the, uh, it is, He is about to be arrested, right? They've had their last supper together, him and his apostles. They have gone to pray in the garden and he is trying to get his, um, his friends to pray with him. And they are very tired. So they're not praying, but he goes on and he needs to just be alone. So he goes on in the garden and he starts to pray and he is just becoming crushed, crushed with, I don't know, probably terror, probably a little bit of everything uh, because he knows what's coming. He knows that he's going to be arrested and executed. But this is what he prays. We've seen this before, but look at this with fresh eyes. Look at this. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. Now, one of the reasons that I love this moment and I love this prayer is because it is such a beautiful example of prayer for surrender so let's break that down first notice his posture it says he fell with his face where to the ground and that was his physical posture but i think his physical posture was mirroring his inner posture right and that posture was one of yielding of surrender to the Father in this prayer of surrender. I think there's something to be said for that. I think there's something to be said for, for positioning our bodies, yielding our bodies in worship and in prayer. All right? Kneeling, laying down, bowing our heads. It doesn't make us holier. We're not following some rule to do that. It doesn't make our prayers count for more or anything, but I think those things serve to posture our bodies in a way that helps posture our hearts to surrender, to confess, you're God, I'm not. I surrender my agenda for yours. It's like standing or lifting hands, uh, hands when we're singing. Same thing. So next, I don't want us to miss this. Jesus asked for what he wanted. Now this is a prayer of surrender, Right? But before he surrendered, he asked for what he wanted. And that has been so freeing for me over the years to look at this prayer and look at the way that the Savior of the world, the one who was incarnated into a human body to come to the planet, to do the work of the redemption of all things, he was asking, hey, is there any way we can not do it this way? that gives me a lot of permission to do the same, right? And I do that all the time. I do that all the time. And it doesn't always go the way that I want. But it's okay to be like Jesus and pray for what we'd like to see happen. I, I have this example written down here from last week when I wrote this. Before, the news from today, and here's what I wrote. God, I want to see Mr. Skip healed and whole and home. That's what I wrote. That was my prayer. That's what I wanted. So I've been praying that. I wanted that. But it doesn't always go that way. Right? But it's okay to pray like this. Jesus prayed like this. And now this is not, this is not name it and claim it, prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm talking about because, this is why, because of what comes next. What comes next? Jesus says, hey, God, this is what I want. If there's a way to not do it this way, that'd be great. But what? He said, but not my will, not what I will, but what you will, not my will but yours be done. Let's put this on the screen. It's okay to tell God the desires of our hearts as long as we yield those desires to His will. And I could add this, even if we don't know His will. Again, it's okay to tell Him the desires of our heart and ask for them as long as we yield them to His will. Even if we don't know what his will is. That's the trust part. If he's altogether good, then that's the trust part, that his way is going to be better. Prayer for surrender, prayer that facilitates surrender, demonstrates our trust in who we have confessed God to be. And this is the best part of praying to surrender to me. We'll put this up there too. Often praying to surrender serves to align our will to God's will. Often praying to surrender. Not my will, God, but yours be done. Even though this is what I want, but I lay it down and trust you with what I want. And I surrender it. Oftentimes what happens as we pray that is our will starts to align with his will. Our heart starts to align with his heart. Our eyes, our vision starts to align with his vision. So surrender prayer, praying for surrender, is about assuming a humble and yielding posture, sharing the desires of our heart with God, but choosing to surrender to his will, not ours, and to trust him to hold those desires of our hearts. (laughs) <laughs> we could go on about that and we could write a book and we could read all the books about that right and it still wouldn't make that super easy would it cuz you know i i disagree i disagree with that that mr skip is is gone disagree with i don't like that that's not my plan that's not what i wanted right but we have to live like this and trust God to hold it. So the second kind of vision in prayer is prayer that can nurture. Prayer that can nurture. Now here's what I mean by that. we will put this up there. Nurture prayer is prayer that allows God to create a space for his love and presence to flourish within us to flourish within us. Augustine wrote this. said, My soul's house is narrow for you to enter. Will you not make it broader? It is in a state of collapse. Will you not rebuild it? It contains things which must offend your eyes. This I know and admit. But who will make it clean? To whom except you shall I cry let's take this metaphor of our souls as a house and go with that for a little bit if the spirit of Jesus lives within us then what kind of home are we for him what is the hospitality of our souls like for Jesus Praying can nurture and cultivate an environment in our hearts and our souls where the will and nature of God can flourish in us. So think about pregnancy. When Aaron became pregnant with our first child, Emery, who is now 15 years old as of yesterday. Somebody explained that. I don't understand. Um, she's 15. Um, but when Aaron became pregnant with Emery, Everything changed. Everything changed, right? Some of you can relate to that. Like, we, we like to say that she was our surprise, and then her brothers like to jump in and say, she was an accident? No, a surprise. Um, but everything changed, right? Everything in our life shifted to a new reality and what it was going to take to nurture that new life. So Aaron became attentive to what she could and couldn't eat or should and shouldn't eat or smell, like paint, fumes or whatever, and where she should and shouldn't go. We had to be willing to change any and everything, right? Nothing was off limits when it came to creating a nurturing environment for that new life, whether before or after birth. Right? Jobs, finances, the house, career paths, Everything was on the table to create a nurturing environment for that new life, you know. And then by the time Declan came along, it was like, "He's good, you're good, everybody's good." Moving on. Of course, I'm kidding. But everything was on the table, and similarly, the house of our souls, so to speak, they are a place where the mature, transformative love of Jesus can flourish and when he takes up residence in the house of our souls everything's on the table nothing is off limits when it comes to this what what habits need to be tossed out what unhealthy patterns need to be swept up what time needs to be spent in adoration and worship and confession what things can we put down or pick up to set ourselves up to allow God's love to transform us. When we pray, we can pay attention to this sort of introspective housekeeping. That's prayer that facilitates nurture. We can ask God to show us ourselves like he sees us. David did that beautifully in Psalm 139. for me to attain. This is a prayer for nurture. It's like David is saying, God, you know me better than I know myself, so I trust you to come into the house of my soul and create a space to nurture your presence in me. Do you notice when you go to someone's house that you've never been to before, do you notice what it smells like or is that just me maybe it's just me declan says he does too um i don't i don't know why but that i just always s- smell things when i've never been to a place i just always notice that and when you walk in you can tell like if they had just had dinner you might, could tell what they had Or maybe it smells like fabric softener. Some people, you know, are heavy on the fabric softener, and the whole house smells awesome because of it. Sometimes you can tell they just sprayed Febreze like 30 seconds before you walked in. Um, And sometimes it smells like wet dog, right? That's a thing, too. Um, But Febreze had this commercial a while back, and they're talking about people going nose blind. They're nose blind to the smells in their own house, right? So use Febreze and... People won't smell your wet dog. I don't know. Um, But so many of us, a lot of us, I think, become nose blind, so to speak, as to how our house smells because we live in it. But prayer that facilitates nurture invites Jesus to enter in and to tell us what it really smells like, so to speak. For him to tell us if there's selfishness or greed, or lust, or envy, or things that are crowding out our hospitality for his transformational love. Through nurture prayer, we ask God to show us who we are in the light of his truth and mercy so that he can cultivate that space for his love to grow. And that's exactly what comes next. So we talked about prayers of surrender of yielding, not my will but yours, even though I can trust you and tell you what I desire. Then we talked about prayer that nurtures a space for God to do his work, and that leads us to transformation. So transformation prayer, put this up there. Transformation prayer is giving everything to God to be remade as he sees fit. So we've been talking about this house metaphor, like the house of our soul. Um, Well, continuing with that, transformation. So if nurturing is like, God, come in and make room in me, a nurturing space for your presence to change me, then the actual transformation is kind of like a remodel of the house. It's saying, God, have your way within me redecorate redesign remodel this house is your house do with it what you see fit and that's a long slow deep process kind of just like real house renovations right it takes time and there's a lot of cost to it you know we're getting ready to move here soon probably this summer just in town and the inside of this house, it's an old house. It's a really old house. The inside of this house has come a long way. There's been a lot of stuff done to it. Uh, it's, it still needs a few renovations, though, for us to make it all work. But the outside of the house, it's not terrible, but it needs some TLC. Right? It needs some curb appeal. And believe me, I've got all the plans. got all the plans in my head of all the things I want to do. I've got the front door color picked out. Like, I've got it all mapped out in my head, right? And I would prefer that those plans, the flower bed curves this way, the door will be this color, I think the shutter should be black. I want all those plans to go the way I want them to, right? I want some measure of control in that to make that place what I think it should be. But when it comes to the house of my soul, (laughs) I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge of those renovations, and thank God for that, right? Right? I'm not in charge of those. God is. I can't make the transformation of my inner space happen. I can't make it happen, and I can't control it. My job is to surrender to him and ask him to transform me, to nurture the space within me to be able to be transformed, to be renovated, so to speak. And I can participate in that transformation. I can do what I know to do to stay near to the truth. I can do what I know to do to facilitate God working in me. I can be still. I can worship. I can go to the Scriptures. I can commune with my church family. I can be Jesus' hands and feet. I can do the things that He's shown me to do and facilitate an environment in me for transformation. Go to Romans 12:2. Another one you've heard probably. Speaking of transformation, it says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, prayer can transform us because it is designated time where we can ask God to renew our minds, to align our desires with his desires, to submit to his renovations of the house of our souls. Um, we may have experiences with general contractors. Some good. Some less good. Um, <clears throat> there's usually issues with timing. <laughs> things like that. But guys, God's timing, His plan, His blueprint for the house of our souls can absolutely be trusted. Our job is to show up and surrender to that. And one of the best ways to do that is to pray. To pray for surrender, for nurture, and transformation. So band, you guys can come on back up. So we're going to sing... This song, Make Room, that we sing around here a lot. We're going to sing that song today. I think it's the perfect song for today. It is very much a vision in kind of a song. It's what we're talking about today. It's a declaration of surrender and nurture and transformation. You'll, you'll hear it. And, it. and it's sung directly to God, like a prayer. So I invite you to sing it that way. I invite you to sing this as a prayer to God from your heart to his heart. Um, You know, Skip spent his life giving to others generously so that they could experience inner nurture. Nurture. An inner transformation. That's what He did. He gave everything to leave people better in that way. For them to see that they're worth loving and because of God's love, they can be transformed on the inside out. So that's why, that's why we went ahead with this gathering in this way. That's why we went ahead with this with this sermon, because this is who Skip was. This is what he did for everybody. It helps us to vision in and be transformed through God's transformative love. So we're going to sing Make Room, Let's Make It Your Prayer.